This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. You know, all over the world, people are celebrating Easter today. And in different nations, different languages, they all come together to celebrate the, the life of Jesus Christ and in His death, His, His resurrection. And really, that is the basis or the all of our faith is based in that his birth, death, and resurrection. Or you could say the, the cross. Paul talked about it's the preaching of the, the cross. It's the power of God to salvation. And that's the basis. Even when you write a date down, it's in reference to the birth of Christ. When we put 2015 or 2015 A.D., it doesn't mean after death. It means in the year of our Lord. In 525 A.D., after the birth of Christ, they decided that the turning point of all human history was Jesus coming into the earth and giving us life. And then they changed all the calendars. Think about this. When the atheist writes the date down, they're writing it in reference to Jesus Christ. Now, hopefully, nobody will put an amendment. We need to change the date, the calendars. They have. They have. We need to pray, folks. <laughs> we need to pray. But because of the cross, because he came and, and died for us, we have salvation. It says that he took our sins. Anybody in here ever sinned? If you didn't raise your hand, you just sinned. Because <laughs> you lied. <laughs> we, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he made provision for that because of the cross. He took our sins. He took our judgment. He took our punishment. Because God is a perfect God. He's a good God. He's perfect. So he made a way for us to be with him. And... But here's the thing, if you, don't, if you have his, his birth, you have his death, if you don't have a resurrection, you don't have anything. If you don't have the resurrection, you don't have salvation. You don't have uh, power. It would say, if Jesus was not resurrected, it would say that sin defeated him. It would say that he didn't conquer death, and therefore we can't live. It said, God so loved the world that he sent. His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If He was not resurrected, there would be no everlasting life because sin would have defeated Jesus. The one who came to pay the price for us, it would say He couldn't pay the price. It was too big. But He did pay the price. And because He resurrected, now we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. See, if there's no resurrection, you might as well pray in your own name. There's no, there's no power about that resurrection. But resurrection is something that all religions, all religions have a piece of Jesus. You know, they like his teachings. They like some aspects about him. But they don't believe he, raised, he was raised from the dead. That's the difference. We believe he was raised from the dead. 
in Romans 10, 9 and 10, when it says you confess him as Lord, it says you must believe that God raised him from the dead. That he was resurrected. So I want to look at resurrection for a few moments this morning. And I have in your notes there, you see a, a question. Did Jesus' followers believe in the resurrection? Good question. The answer is no. They did not understand what Jesus spoke about when he talked about being raised up from the dead. They did not understand it, so they did not believe in the resurrection. And we're going to uh, look at this and get some understanding on it. In John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now Mary Magdalene was probably the most, one of the most famous female followers of Jesus Christ. She had um, a lot of things going on in her life that Jesus set her free from extreme bondage. Set her free. And she became a follower of Jesus Christ. Now Mary Magdalene believed that Jesus was sent from God. Believed that he was, had a great message. He was a great teacher, a great communicator, a, a wise man. Believed that um, there was no one like him. But when Mary went to the tomb, she believed that Jesus was dead and that he was going to stay dead. She did not believe in a resurrection for Jesus. So on Easter morning, she, she goes to the tomb. And you know what happened here? Jesus was tried, he was arrested and tried and found guilty, and his death was by being crucified. Now here's the interesting thing about when you were crucified, you were, you were a scum of the earth, so to speak. You could not take the body of someone crucified. They were all taken to a dump. They were not to be remembered there would be no respects, nothing like that. They were taken to a dump. That was their punishment. But two men, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, went to Pilate and they begged for Jesus' body. Now here was the exception to the rule. If you had some money, <laughs> if you had some money, you could pay and get that body. And probably, it didn't say in Scripture, but probably what happened here is they went to Pilate and they paid him off. So we want Jesus' body, will you take this? And the negotiation started. And they got Jesus' body and they're taking Jesus to the tomb that Joseph had. And Joseph had some money. Because to have a tomb, you had money. And they put, Joseph, they put Jesus in there, and it was right before the Sabbath, so they had to prepare quickly, get his, his body ready. Because I wondered, if she doesn't believe in the resurrection, why is Mary going to the tomb? She doesn't believe that Jesus is going to be raised from the dead. Why is she running to a tomb early this, this Sunday morning, this Easter morning? Why is she running there? And probably... 
because she went with her, her friends, her, she had some, uh, some women friends, some girlfriends that went with her. She knew that those two men had to do it in a hurry to prepare Jesus' body. And like all good women, they knew they needed to follow up to get it right. That's my assumption. <laughs> but she did not expect to see Jesus resurrected. She expected to see his body. And then in verse 2, it says, Then she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Let me stop there for a second. John here, he had a little bit of an ego. He never even names himself, just the other disciple that Jesus loved. It's kind of like, Jesus loves you and he loves me, but he loves me more. <laughs> One of those type deals. But here, here's Mary. Then she ran to, and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, who's writing this, by the way, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. She wasn't saying, Look, he's resurrected. No, she comes back and says, He's not there. I don't know where he's been taken. Somebody has stole Jesus' body. Something's happened. Where is he? That was the report that she came to give the disciples. So my second question. Why did Jesus' followers think it was all over when Jesus died? Why did they think it was all over? And then you see there I put, because Jesus was the center of his message. See, the problem with the Jesus movement or the Jesus message was Jesus. He was the message. See, it was more than his teachings. It was more than believing he was a great teacher, believing that he was a good person, a wise person, or some even believed he was a prophet from God. It's more than his teachings. It was who he said he was. It's what he said about himself. It's what the scriptures tell us about him. And you can't separate the two because some people say, and you find this in other religions, they'll quote Jesus. They say he was a good prophet. Well, you can't separate the two because either he was who he said he was or he was a great liar. But see, we've got to move from believing some things about him to believing in him. In him. So we have here that Jesus is the center of his, uh, of his message. Think about this. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming to be water baptized. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, you know, Jesus didn't correct him. He said, look, I can't be water baptized by you. You got some wrong theology here. I'm not taking away no sins of the world. I'm not the Lamb of God. See, the Lamb of God was a reference to the Messiah. In Luke chapter 3, 
In verse 22, it says, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. He was baptized, and God the Father spoke, and he said, This is my beloved Son. See, Jesus was the Son of God. And he made no bones about it. In fact, the scripture says, Emmanuel, God dwelling with us. God sent his son. God came to rescue us. What about all those that came to him and said, Look, we need to be liberated from this oppression. The the Romans and all the things coming against us. You know, Jesus would have nothing to do with it. It was like he would just ignore it. He would say, oh, just give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And then they'd come to Jesus and say, look, what about your kingdom? What about your kingdom? He'd go, oh, my kingdom's not even of this world. What? See, the problem with the Jesus movement was Jesus, his message. How do you carry on something like this? You see that in John 18, 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. He never said, and this in your notes, He never said to His followers, Trust in my ideas. He instructed His followers to trust in Him. See, when you trust in Him, you'll trust His words. But it's more than just believing He was a good person. It's believing that He was a son of who came for us and paid the price and was raised from the dead. The disciples came to, or Jesus came and asked the disciples and said, who do you think I am? And they said, Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And he didn't go, hey boys, we're getting carried away here. <laughs> you know, look, uh, I appreciate y'all esteem me highly, but look, You're getting carried away with this thing here. Now, he didn't say that. You know, he did. He goes, you're right. You're right. You're right. And then he goes beyond that. He said, you know, you didn't figure this out on your own. God had to tell you. God told you this. Like he was linked up with God. His message, his identity was all together in his message. What about his close friend Lazarus who's dying? Disciples said, we need to go to Lazarus. Jesus said, let's wait. And they wait till his friend dies. And then he comes on the scene and they say, if you'd been here, Lord, Lazarus would still be alive. And he didn't take time to explain. He says, listen, Martha. And he says this in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He just comes out and says, I am the resurrection and the life. No wonder they thought all was over when he died. How does life die? How does resurrection die? How is resurrection and life crucified and dies? They thought it was all over. 
because you couldn't trust his words because his identity is in it. Who he is was in it. He was the center of, of his message. Disciples came to him and said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus sat down to start to explain, well, this is how the Father is. No. What's he do? He says, hey, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What? Outrageous statement. <laughs> Unless you believe it. No wonder they thought all was over. He's dead. They didn't believe in a resurrection. This thing's all over. And they were afraid. They're hiding. They're thinking if they crucified him, they're coming after us next. Many men have died for a great message, a great movement. We had the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King died, but see, the movement continued. Why? It was the message. But see, the thing about Jesus, he is the message. He is the message. And if he's gone, there's nothing left. In Luke 24, verse 9, Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, and their words seemed to be like idle tales. And they did not believe them. And when you look up idle tales, it means pure nonsense or babbling. Said they're just delirious. This is nonsense. It's just babble. They did not believe. And this is about the empty tomb. It's not even about resurrection. It's about that the tomb's even empty if the body's out there. So first century people who knew Jesus and followed him, whose life was touched and changed, did not believe that he was raised from the dead. They did not believe in the resurrection. So when Jesus died, hope died. When Jesus died, Christianity, in a sense, died. So what happened? There had to be a change. It's, it's not like the, the song we used to, to sing, you know, Peter runs to the tomb and he, he looks in, he comes out singing, he's alive. No, he comes out confused. I'm confused. That's what the scriptures say. He was all confused. He was wondering, perplexed. And I tell you what perplexed him is that the fine linen that he was wrapped in was very expensive and costly. And if somebody stole his body, they would have taken that. And that threw them. They're confused. So what happened? Why did the disciples, last question, why did the disciples get re-engaged in following Jesus? They were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Or Easter happened. In John 20 verse 19. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week. The doors were shut where the disciples were assembled. For fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them. Peace be with you. When he had said this he showed them his hands 
and his side, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They were glad after they touched him. He said, handle me, touch me. Because in, in Luke, it talks about they thought he was a spirit. I mean, they are all, they, they've got everything locked and here comes Jesus. He appears to them. And they thought he was a spirit. And it says they were terrified. They were so frightened. And he said, touch me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. That's the reason he would eat fish all the time when he was around them. He was trying to get them over this notion that he was just some spirit. No, Jesus actually had his glorified body. That's a different message. He would eat fish. I don't care what the doctors say, fish is good for you. And bread. I'll stop there. I know they had different type of bread and better fish then. Never mind. Just pray over what you eat. <laughs> he said, handle me. And then he opened the scriptures to them in verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. As he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed and the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. Jesus appeared. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. That's the reason their faith was re-engaged. That's the reason the followers got re-engaged. It's because they saw him. They saw the resurrected Christ. Now, one of the disciples was not there, Thomas. And I admit, when I first got saved, I'd read this, it bothered me. Thomas said, Lord, I'm a Thomas. I don't like this. Doubting Thomas. Why? And he, he listened to them, and he thought they were playing a prank on him. That's really what it means. They he thought, all oh, these guys have gotten together and they're just playing a, a game with me. He, he thought he was getting punked, is what we'd say today. Oh, they, they've all gotten together and said, Jesus came. Oh, I don't believe that. I have to see him put my hand on. And then what happens? Eight days later, John 20, verse 27, then he said to Thomas, reach your fingers here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And when you read on in scriptures, he appeared to over 500 at one time. He appeared to many people and says with infallible proofs. Many infallible proofs it showed that he was resurrected. They were eyewitnesses of what happened. Think about it. The apostles, uh, the disciples, are, they're there and he dies and they think it's all over. And then they see him resurrected. They become 
those bold ones. It said that the streets of Jerusalem were filled with those who said, and this was their message, he's alive. He's alive. I know we had, uh, he was crucified, but he's alive. That was their message. And they're going around boldly telling people that he's alive. When they're hiding before, when Peter, who follows Jesus, and he sees him arrested and sees what he's going through, and they come and question him, he lies. He curses down a middle schooler. Curses and says, I don't even know him. Denies him three times. What happened to Peter? Something changed in him. You find in the book of Acts that he stood up and he preached the first sermon. And it was four points. You killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Now say you're sorry. (laughs) Repent. And you can have eternal life. With great boldness, with the threat of death, he preaches. And declares that he's alive and he's risen from the dead. What happened to them? What happened? They saw Jesus. They saw him. They were eyewitnesses of what he did. It says that Peter was crucified. And we understand from writings that he was crucified upside down. Refused to be crucified the same way as his Lord Jesus Christ. What happened to Thomas? Thomas was martyred for his faith. Let me just tell you this. All the disciples, except one, lost their life. They were tortured. Many of them crucified went through incredible torture and pain because they would not change their mind. They said, Jesus Christ is alive. He is God. He is the Christ. He is the Savior. And they gave their life for Him. What happened to these men? What happened to them? They saw Jesus. They saw Him. And they believed. Well, some people dispute the resurrection. They say, well, these men died for a lie. And yes, there has been people who have died for a lie. But there is a difference. Those that died for a lie believed it was truth. Are you trying to tell me that these disciples, knowing it was a lie, died for a lie? They knew the truth. They saw him. He either was or he wasn't. It was impossible to get mixed up. They said, yes. We saw him. And they gave their life for him. Let me tell you the one disciple that did not give his life. It was that disciple whom Jesus loved. Maybe he really did love him more. He's the only one. (laughs) 
one last person I want to look at for just a moment. I mean, we got the witness of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, James, Paul, all eyewitnesses. History declares it. Josephus, a historian of that day, says it's all true. Archaeological studies have all proven that Jesus lived, and it's true. But what about James? When you look at Scripture, James was his brother. And James did not believe. In fact, we know that the family was embarrassed by him. And they tried to confront him. I mean, think about it. Your brother saying, no one can come to the Father except through me. Think about him saying, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. What would it take for you to believe your brother if he was saying that? Rise from the dead after you kill him? (laughs) James didn't believe. But something happened to James He was found in the streets of Jerusalem preaching. And he's declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And became a great leader in Jerusalem church. What happened to him? Well, we find in 1 Corinthians, Paul spells it out and says, Jesus appeared to James. He was an eyewitness of the resurrected what, great, what a great testimony right there. A brother declaring, yes, he's the Christ. I put my trust in him. And he became a great leader. And, and by the way, he gave his life. Historian Josephus says that James was stoned to death on orders from Ananias, the high priest, because he would not back off of his declaration of the lordship of Jesus Christ. So the high priest had enough and stoned him to death. So what's this mean to us? I love what Jesus said. Blessed are those who believe and don't see. The Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus to you and you can see him for who he really is. He can be revealed to you as Lord and Savior. Now, if He is resurrected, and that's true, that means the rest of it's true. That means when He's, the Scriptures say that in light of everything that He's done for us, the only reasonable thing for me to do is to surrender my life to Him. To give my life to Him. Because that would be truth. He is the truth. He is the life. So you can look through the eye of faith and know that He died for your sins. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. I want to ask you a question. If you were to die, what makes you think you would go to heaven? So, well, I'm really a good person. Where there's nowhere in the Bible where it says if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. So, well, I love God. 
That's the same thing the terrorists said when they flew into the World Trade Center. Their last thing they said was, I love God. But it was the wrong God and the wrong demonstration of love. Well, I believe in, in God. The devil believes in God, but he's not getting saved. Well, I believe that Jesus is a great preacher. He was a great minister. He had a great message. That won't get you saved. You must trust in him. You must surrender your life to him. Jesus spelled it out clearly what it takes to be saved. He said in John 3, you must be born again. What does that mean? It means to give all your heart and all your life to Jesus Christ. That's what it means. That's what it means to trust him. It's not just trusting or believing about him. It's trusting in him. And letting him live through you. And someone has to be honest with you and value you and love you enough to tell you the truth. If you're standing on anything else, while well, I was raised in a Christian home, my parents said I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. Because nowhere in the Bible it says if you're raised in a Christian home, you'll go to heaven. It's your surrender, giving all your heart and life to Him. So if that's you this morning, there's no better time than to surrender your life to Him. The Bible says to be bold and not to be ashamed of Him. If that's you right now, I want you to raise your hand and say, I'm surrendering all my heart and all my life to Jesus Christ. Just be bold and lift your hand and say, that's me. Maybe you've done this before, but you need to do it again. Because you've slipped. You haven't been walking with Him the way you should. Be bold and lift your hand and say, I'm rededicating my life to Jesus Christ. So see those hands. Some others. There's some others that should be raising their hands. Yes, see those hands. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Who else? Say, I need Jesus today. No more playing games. I want him with everything within me. See, something happens inside of you when you make this kind of decision, when you make this kind of commitment. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you and strengthen you where you can live the life. You can't do it on your own. The impos it's impossible to live the Christian life on your own. You must have His Spirit. You must have His strength. But God's not mad at you. He's in love with you. And He's calling you home. Let's all stand. We're going to pray together for these. Several lifted their hands. Accepting the Lord this morning. Greatest decision that you can make in this life. Let's all lift our hands and say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. I surrender all my life, all my heart to Him who died for me. I trust you, Lord. I put my trust totally in you I'll live for you I'll follow you strengthen me to live the life that pleases you thank you for loving me so much that you died and you were raised from the dead out of love I give you praise and glory and honor Jesus thank you.
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.